The dogma, the teaching concerning the Blessed Trinity is part of the very foundation of our Catholic faith. As the Catechism says, the Trinity is the central mystery of Christian faith and life. If the teaching about the Trinity is not true, most of what we believe as Catholics is immediately nullified. It's false. This dogma says that there are three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the one true and eternal God. Now that may sound rather simple, but as anyone who has studied theology or read the Catechism will tell you, it isn't. What does the word person mean in that definition? How can something be one and three at the very same time? If the three divine persons form one God, how can they be distinct from one another? If the Father begets the Son, then how can the Son be said to be eternal? And on and on the questions go. This is why volumes and volumes and volumes have been written about the Blessed Trinity during the 2,000-year history of Christianity. So on the one hand, the dogma of the Trinity is highly theoretical. And yet, my brothers and sisters, from another perspective, it really is a very practical teaching. And I would say that's exactly the way we should expect it to be. If the teaching about the Blessed Trinity is true, and I believe it is, and that same triune God created us and everything that exists, then there should be many things about the Blessed Trinity that relate to the ordinary, everyday experiences we have as human beings. And that's precisely the way it is. The dogma of the Trinity, for example, reminds us all of the importance of family life. Since the dogma teaches us that God is, in a certain sense, a family of persons, a family of persons united to one another by an eternal bond of love. And that's a very important lesson for us to learn in our day and age when the traditional family, as we know, is under direct attack, almost constant attack. So obviously those who believe in the Blessed Trinity should make their family life a priority. Hopefully everyone here does. The Blessed Trinity also teaches us that we are made to live in loving relationships with other human beings, both within our families and outside of our families. As the old saying goes, no man is an island. We are made in the image of the triune God. And within the inner life of the triune God, there are relationships. Relationships of love. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father, etc. That means that those who believe in the Blessed Trinity should always be working on their relationships with other people, working to make those relationships better, working to, to make those relationships more loving. 
Believers in the Trinity should also have no difficulty whatsoever in recognizing and in avoiding certain sins. Sins like racism. Sins like abortion. Because believers in the Blessed Trinity affirm a very important truth, whether they are conscious of it or not. And the truth is this. Those who share the same nature enjoy the same dignity. That's a very important truth. Now what precisely do I mean by that? Well, in the Blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three distinct divine persons. However, the Father is not more divine than the Son is. The Son is not more divine than the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not more divine than the Father and the Son are. Each person of the Blessed Trinity shares the divine nature. Consequently, each is to be worshipped as God. Those who share the same nature enjoy the same dignity. Now, applying that truth to ourselves, in a similar way, every single human person, regardless of their age, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their other personal characteristics, every human person has a human nature. And so they deserve to be respected and treated with a certain dignity, from the moment of their natural conception to their moment of their natural death. As the three persons of the Trinity share the divine nature and are to be treated accordingly, so every human person has a human nature and is to be treated accordingly. The dogma of the Blessed Trinity even has implications for our understanding of marriage. This is something that our former Holy Father, John Paul II, helped us to understand through his teachings on the theology of the body. And one of those implications concerns this very controversial issue of so-called gay marriage. As we found out a few weeks ago right here in Rhode Island, a state or a society can choose to make this practice legal through a legislative act or a judicial decision. Here in our state, it was through a legislative act. But we need to be clear about something. That's all it is. Legal. It's not real. And it's not real. That is to say, gay marriage can never be marriage in the true sense of the term precisely because of who God is as a trinity of persons and because of who we are as individuals made in his image and likeness. Let me explain. In the blessed trinity, the Father loves the Son. And he loves the Son with a perfect, intense, eternal love. In fact, that love is so intense that it's actually another person, the Holy Spirit, who, as the Nicene Creed tells us, proceeds from the Father and the Son. So please notice something very important. In the Blessed Trinity, love is fruitful. That's the key word, fruitful. Fruitful. 
The Father loves the Son, and from that love, the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally. In a speech he gave in Africa back in 1988, Pope John Paul II said this. He said, Christian family life is a reflection of the life of the Blessed Trinity, where there is mutual giving and receiving of love among the three divine persons. That, of course, should not surprise us because we are made in God's image and likeness. And as I noted earlier, our family lives are to reflect the inner life of the Blessed Trinity precisely because we've been made in the image and likeness of the Trinity. All that having been said, if a marriage here on earth is to reflect the life of the Trinity properly, that marriage obviously must be fruitful. Or at least it must have the natural potential to be fruitful. It has to be fruitful, at least potentially so, because the Father's love for the Son in the Blessed Trinity is fruitful. But a so-called gay marriage can never be fruitful, can it? You learn that in Biology 101. Two men can ha cannot have a natural child of their own. Two women cannot have a natural child of their own. It's impossible. Only the marriage of a man and a woman has the natural potential to be fruitful. So of all the reasons that can be mentioned as to why gay marriage is wrong, and there are lots of them, perhaps the most important one is this, at least for Christians. It's anti-Trinitarian. It's anti-Trinitarian because the love of the Father and the Son in the Blessed Trinity is fruitful. The love in a gay relationship is not. And it never can be. In conclusion, let me summarize my homily in this way. As I've hopefully made clear in the last several minutes, by revealing himself to us as a trinity of persons, Almighty God has not only taught us something very important about himself, that he's done for sure, he's also taught us many important things about ourselves and about our lives here on this earth. He's taught us about the importance of family life. He's taught us about the need to bring his love into our human relationships. He's taught us about the dignity we have as human beings created in his image and likeness. He's even taught us about the nature of marriage and the nature of human sexuality. The only question is, my brothers and sisters, are we as individuals learning these lessons that the Lord has taught us.